We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Someone would think, well, um, you, you're, you'll never get that opportunity again. I would disagree with that. I don't right. think that's necessarily the case. If, if we lose focus on the students that we serve and the families that we work with every day, we've lost our edge. Um, so building that relationship and, and, and building trust, you know, I think is a, is a big thing. You've got to have your, the trust of your principal right. um, and making sure that every all the dealings that you do and everything is above board. Um, whenever you deal with parents, that you're always looking out for their children and that your principal sees that, that they know that, that they know that they're not going to have to clean up a mess. Well, obviously, it's a great honor to be recognized by that organization. And it's not just to be with them. It's to, to take that opportunity to see what they do, analyze what they do, look at their behaviors, um, and, and try not to be them. I'm certainly not going to do that, but to take the qualities and traits that I see them be successful using um, and, and utilize them in my own uh, area. I am Jethro Jones, your host, and welcome to The Transformative Principle. I'm excited to have you today for the interview with Doug Hollenbeck, the assistant principal at Union Middle School in Sandy, Utah. Doug has a lot of respect from his peers. Everybody that I've talked to about assistant principals in our district has said that Doug is one of the great ones, and I'm really excited for you to be able to listen to him today. He has been assistant principal for nine years and has worked under four really awesome principals, all of whom are superheroes in our school district. Doug the day after this podcast airs, will be receiving his official award as the assistant principal of the year from the Utah Association of, El- of Secondary School Principals, and he's done some really amazing things. What I really like about Doug is that he's thoughtful, caring, 
and he's a transformative leader. He has been doing such a great job, and I'm excited for you to listen to the podcast today. I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast this week. It is creativesforeducation.com. Have you ever noticed that teachers are really great at teaching our students, but don't have the time or the training to create beautiful things? creativesforeducation.com does that for you. As an educator, you can sign up for a free account, request the designer create a project for you, give them some guidelines and tips, and then within about a week, they'll get something back to you that looks amazing. Go to creativesforeducation.com, click on the design requests, and you'll be able to look at some of the things that have already been done. Then sign up for a free account and start making beautiful things for your students. That's creativesforeducation.com or creatives, the number four, edu.com. First of all, I want to say thanks for meeting with me. I'm excited to learn about how to be a great assistant principal from you. Um, as long as I've been an assistant principal in the district, um, you've been one of the people that everybody says is is a great assistant principal. So when I've asked who were the really good ones, then people say, well, that Doug Hollenbeck, he's pretty awesome. And, and so you, you're you well-respected by your peers, and people think you're awesome as well. So It's good to hear that. Thank you. It is good. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how long you've been an assistant principal, where you've been an assistant principal, mm-hmm. the things you, things you like about it. We'll start there. Sure. Um, well, this is my ninth year as an assistant principal. I spent 10 years in the classroom at the middle school level, Joel P. Jensen Middle School in West Jordan. And then I spent two years as uh, a CTE coordinator at West Jordan High. So that was my first step out of the classroom. I did that for two years, finished up my uh, administrative degree uh, at that time, and um, got into the pool in Jordan School District. Um, wasn't really ready to be an administrator, but the call came up and uh, all of a sudden the offer came to go to uh, Elk Ridge Middle School. And so that was my first uh, assistant principalship. A rather interesting start there. Um, I met with the principal who was assigned there. Uh, his name was Gary Garcia uh, in June as I finished up my job um, at West Jordan High. And so we started planning and doing some things. In Jordan District, of course, they have the summer off, July is off, and then August 1st is their regular meetings, and he decided to retire over in the summertime. So we had an interim principal uh, who ended up staying for four years, and I stayed for four years as well. Interim that, the whole four years? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, well, (laughs) they eventually just said, well, okay, are you willing to stay? And uh, he said, yeah, I'll stay, but it wasn't really an official assignment uh, for him, I guess. He was retired. Wow. Um, Ray Jensen, you know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, and so that was a great experience. Um, he was a high school principal before that, never had really done a lot of work in the middle school other than being an assistant principal for a year. And so most of his experience was high school. So actually I had a lot of great um, opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Um to step up and really, uh, he, he gave me a lot of opportunities to, um, to seek out, uh, really what I would like to do and focus in on that. Uh, I had another assistant principal there, Lisa Lund, who was great to work with. Uh, she was in her first, uh, one, about a year and a half. So learned a lot there. Um, from there, uh, Canyons was forming. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I had the opportunity to interview at Mount Jordan uh, Middle School and got the position there. And I really was excited uh, to come over to Canyons. You know, I saw how that was formulating and the people that were coming together, uh, Dr. Doty's vision, um, really bringing on some some excellent talent. Um, and uh, I was inspired by that and still am uh, to be here in Canyons. And so that's the same thing for me. I was a teacher at Fort Harriman when mm-hmm. Canyons was forming and I said, I got to get over there, I feel like that's the best place for me, and yeah. and it's been a, a great move. But it was it was that same combination of people that were coming here, that were coming together, the vision they had. Mm-hmm. It was very enticing to me, to be sure. Yeah, yeah. And so there, I got to work with uh, Misty Suarez, an excellent principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite honestly, I really desired to be at a more highly impacted school. Um, I enjoyed my time at Elkridge. It was a great learning experience. Um, but I always, you know, I started teaching at Joel P., fairly low SES uh, school. When I started there, it was a Title I school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite enjoyed working with that demographic. And so when I got to Mount Jordan, I felt uh, it felt like being home again, uh, being able to work with that, those students and, and their parents and families. Uh, and for me, it was very rewarding. And so, therefore, uh, I enjoyed my time there. Um, Misty left. I had the opportunity and was asked to be the principal of that school. Uh, but due to some family uh, things that came up with, with uh, parents' health and things like that, mm-hmm. wasn't able to uh, take that role on. I didn't feel it was fair um, for the school and the students and the staff for me to have to deal with family issues. And, and so I asked the superintendent to step back and and he was great to work with and allowed me to do that you know that is something that um i had heard your name announced in board meeting and then heard that you that they announced somebody else i didn't know all the information about that but for most assistant principals they aspire to be a principal Mm -hmm. and so for you to have the opportunity and then to decline it Mm -hmm. um that must have been i imagine a very difficult thing was a very difficult decision it so really how did you reconcile that? How did you come to that decision and how, um, I mean, you don't have to go into the personal things, mm-hmm. but just, you know, career wise, you know, were you afraid that if you declined that you'd never have another opportunity? What, what was your thought process there? You know, I, I definitely was concerned about that. Um, as far as GMI, quite frankly, shooting myself in the foot, mm-hmm. uh, with this, but I looked at it and, and I talked it over with my wife and my family and at the time, uh, it was the best decision for me and for the school. Um, and, and obviously I'm a family's first kind of a person, you know, we all are. Um, but I, I, I didn't want to make that sacrifice to my family. Uh, I know what it's involved to being a principal. Uh, it is very time consuming. It is, it is a huge commitment, uh, to be able to do that. And I respect that. And, um, I just felt at that particular time, it just was not the right move for me uh, and for the school. Uh, I had a lot of discussion with uh, school, school community council president at the time and, and talked to them about what was going on, and, and they supported me. And, and um, like I said, Dr. Doty was excellent. I had you know conversation with him, and uh, we were able to uh, 
um, to make that move, and, and I felt good about it. I felt good personally. I felt good professionally. And, and you know what? If, if someone would think, well, um, you, you're, you'll never get that opportunity again, I would disagree with that. I don't right. think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I, I don't think either. And I, I think from my perspective, at least, the reason I don't feel that way is that your concern was the well-being of the school. And, you know, that's that's something else I've heard about you through the grapevine, is that you really do care about and are committed to and loyal to the schools that you work for, and that, that their priorities and their needs are placed very highly in your um, in all that you do. And so you don't, uh, I don't think that choosing what's best for the school, if that means you not being the principal, is a is a, not a noble thing. I think that is noble. And that's, uh, you know, that was, you know, you said family issues and then you said it wasn't best for the school because of those family issues. And that's really powerful. That's, that's the kind of person I think we all hope to be able to be, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's really amazing. Um, so the other reason I want to interview you is that you recently won the Utah Association of Secondary School Principals um, Administrator of the Year. Mm-hmm. And um, and that is, a, I think, a huge honor that the state um, association recognizes the, the diligence and effort that you put into being a, an administrator. Talk, talk a little bit about that and whatever you feel you want to talk about with that. Uh, well, obviously, it's a great honor to be recognized by that organization. Um, there, there have been some amazing principals and assistant principals that have come before me. Uh, the current principal that I work with now, Mary Anderson, uh, outstanding model. Um, and I've, in the short time that I've been here, uh, at union, I've learned a lot from her. Um, Joanne Ackerman, another, uh, principal of the year. Uh, I actually taught with Joanne a long time ago at Joel P and, and she's been a mentor and, um, and a person who I aspire to to be like uh, with with her techniques and her um, her gentleness with students and her uh, excitement uh, and fervor for her position as principal. I have uh, another good mentor would be Mike Soroyce. Uh, he's been a great inspiration too. So I I have had great mentorship. I've had I've been very lucky. Uh, I, I consider myself lucky to have right. been had the experiences and been with the people that I've been with, and um, and it's not just to be with them; it's to to take that opportunity to see what they do, analyze what they do, look at their behaviors, um, and and try not to be them. I'm certainly not going to do that, but to take the qualities and traits that I see them be successful using um, and, and utilize them in my own. Uh, area. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great um, point. We can all be around someone amazing, but we have to make the effort to to notice what they're doing. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how you recognize and identify what they do and um, and how you try to incorporate those things while maintaining your own personal style, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. taking all the good you can from these amazing mentors you've been able to work with? You know, I think if, if I was to boil it down to one thing, uh, and a commonality across uh, people I've worked with is that these are consistently student-centered people mm-hmm. that with all of the things that go on with the principalship and leadership in a school, 
that uh, these people and I have uh, worked very hard to stay student focused because that's why we're here, Jethro. I mean, really, we we have got to make sure that these kids are our priority every single day. Um, and and if we, it's kind of like a business that loses focus. If you lose focus of of what your what your product is or what you're trying to do or your target audience. Um, then you've lost your edge as a business. If, if we lose focus on the students that we serve and the families that we work with every day, we've lost our edge and, and we will be very ineffective, uh, if, if we do that. So, uh, that's probably the number one thing that I've watched and have been able to emulate as much as I can. I have a love for kids anyway, of course, and, or we wouldn't do this, um, but I think that working with, with those folks specifically, um, and again, I, I go back to the demographic that I like to work with. Uh, I feel an association there. I feel a connection there. I feel that um, I do my best work mm-hmm. when I'm able to help those students and their families um, be successful at school and, and look far beyond. Um, it, when I was at West Jordan High working with those students in the CT area, it was, it was very exciting for me because I could see at the high school level where they were going to go on into college and get them, get them career minded and oriented, um, was, was a lot of fun too. Again, it's student centered. It's really focusing on the child, uh, there as well and thinking about what they want to do for their future. Um, I liked my time at the high school, but I choose to be in the middle school because I really feel that if you're going to be student centered and you want to make changes and you want to impact students, this is a place to do it because they're still moldable. They're still, uh, you still have the ability to, um, change them and, um, learn from them and, uh, have them look for things within themselves to propel themselves into success. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, why, why would they recognize me? I, again, I think it's because I, um, because I am student centered and I continue to be that. And that's, that's always been my focus. Um, do, do we get distracted? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it is not easy to run a building. It is not easy to, to move, um, instruction. Uh, and, and it's, it's just that it's an organizational, um, hurdles that are, that are put out there that, um, we have to work our hardest to get over and, and to move things in the right direction. Right. So you've worked with four principals. Is that right? Been assistant to four principals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you talk about how you, um, how your, um, how you can still be an instructional leader, an assistant instructional leader, mm-hmm. um, without, uh, while working with some, someone who has probably a much different personality, leadership style, mm-hmm. um, all those things than you and talk about some of the challenges you faced with that and, um, and what you what you've learned from working with people that are that have a different idea than you, and maybe you didn't agree with it at first, but you mm-hmm. went along. Well, uh, all of the all the principals I've worked with um, have been great to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. I think that's a key element. Um, they're they're listeners. Uh, obviously, wouldn't have reached the the level that they've gotten to unless they've been a good listener. And so, I've always felt comfortable and confident uh, talking with them, either in uh, a collaborative setting with another assistant principal, counselors, head uh, department heads, things like that, mm-hmm. through your BLTs, or um, and and listening to uh, 
um, the different ideas that are out there and, and hearing their vision um, and having them explain what their vision is and also explaining how you feel things should go based on your own experiences too. Um, I remember when I was working with uh, Misty when I first got there at Elk or at uh, Mount Jordan, uh, and I brought, you know, experience from another school and, um, she goes, gosh, it's kind of like having a, you're like a consultant <laughs> coming in here and just talking about stuff. And, you know, there's, there's a fine line between bringing stuff from a previous school mm-hmm. into another school where you, you know, you don't want to fall into the trap of, well, we did it this way over here. We did it this way over here. That's hard to do because you feel like you're, you're already doing best practices at that school. Well, that may not be the case. And so I think, um, the principles that I've worked with have always been open to, to change things. Um, but you also have to realize that, um, they're in charge and they're, the buck stops there. So, uh, I always see my role in, especially in public to always support your principal Mm -hmm. in private. If you want to question, if you have concerns, if you feel like maybe things are going in a different direction, make sure that you've built that relationship with that principal so that you feel like you can have your voice heard and, and have your reasoning and data behind it. Uh, so to say, gosh, you know, I, we're kind of heading this direction, but I really feel maybe we should go in a different direction or, or this is my idea on how to get this particular professional development, or this is my experience out in the classroom. When I evaluate, you know, these teachers, this is what this department needs or that department staying connected out there too, because that one person cannot have their hands in every pie out there. And so being that person that can be out in the, in the field and boots on the ground, listening to teachers, seeing what's happening in the classroom and offering up that, um, that information back to the, to the principal. Yeah, so there are two things that I really liked what you said. Number one, that um, in public always support your principal. I think that's vital, and um, and that ties into the second one of make sure you have that relationship where you can um, disagree and have questioning times. Um, and I think if you don't support your principal in public, then she's probably not going to listen to you when you're in private disagreeing. Um, so talk to us about how to develop that trust to be able to say, I don't agree, this is what I think we should do, and to have the data ready to support that decision, that, that idea. How do, you, how do you establish the trust um, beforehand, and then how do, you, how do you approach that? Well, you know, it's, it's built, building that relationship is, is not an easy thing to do. It really depends on personalities, too. Um, you've got to make sure that um, they know up front that you are there as a support, that um, you will consistently be there uh, as their right hand. Um, and how do you build that relationship? I, I think that it's um, it's a great question. <laughs> it's a tough question, Jethro. Um, wow. Uh, I think always, uh, so sometimes principals need uh, that um, objectivity. Mm-hmm. Too, because uh, we 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 all get uh, into the quagmire of doing our jobs and um, having that different perspective and making sure that at every meeting that you're at that you bring quality comments that you bring up concerns that that they may not have heard of before um, and that they're well thought out and that you've um, you, you know, you've formulated your answers or your responses or your concerns, 
um, and sometimes be the voice of reason in a meeting um, or uh, whenever you're talking and making sure, again, back to what we originally said, is, is this the best thing for students? Mm -hmm. Are we doing the best thing for students? Because we all need that perspective. We all need that that lens, if you will, right. to keep us focused. And and sometimes principals need it too. And you can be that, that guide um, without stepping over you know, your bounds. I mean, they, they are ultimately the one that makes the decision, but, um, but being connected, having the data, understanding it, um, not being afraid of, of where it is and what it is, uh, taking that initiative to be the manager of the data, um, and saying, uh, you know, I know where to get that. I, I'm kind of a tech nerd. So, you know, doing data and, and those kind of, I'm not an analyst by any means. I, I, I'm not a statistician, but I do know how to access the information and I do know how to utilize it and um, view it so that it's helpful. I mean, there's so much information out there. And sometimes, and I remember uh, specifically with Misty, she, you know, we, you get overload, you get analysis paralysis mm -hmm. of information. And so one of the things that I tried to do with her is help bring the best information to the table so that she could then have it in front of her and make decisions. And we can make decisions together as a BLT team or a, a steering committee or whatever you call right. that so that they have that information too. Um, so building that relationship and, and building trust, you know, I think is a, is a big thing. You've got to have your, the trust of your principal right. um, and making sure that every, all the dealings that you do and everything is above board um, whenever you deal with parents, that you're always looking out for their children and that your principal sees that, that they know that, that they know that they're not going to have to clean up a mess, um, with, with an instance. Um, has it happened before? Yeah. Even, even with me where a parent just, we didn't connect and we're not on the right wavelength and we've talked and we've talked and, and, um, you know, those issues that they still want to bring to the principal and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay too. Yeah. Can you talk about a time where you've, um, had a, a different idea than the principal and you've needed to, um, to present a different, differing opinion and, and how you did that and walk through the process of preparation, discussion, the follow-up, how you made sure that you respected the position, but also made yourself very clear that you were doing what was best for mm -hmm. students. Um, go through a situation like that. I can remember a time when um, our steering committee was very focused on um, wanting to do professional development, uh, and they wanted to do it uh, in, in, in an area that I felt really wasn't where we needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, the principal was really, it was kind of agreeing with, with the committee and, and, and I'm not, I wasn't sure if, if that was the best thing for what the school needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had to step back and say, okay, what's my approach here? How can I get my opinion out there and try to convince this group? And so what I ended up doing was pulling some evaluation data, uh, pulling some testing data, uh, and looking at uh, the school as a whole and saying, okay, guys, this is, this is where we're at, and this is where we want to go with this particular thing. Do we really think that's the best way to go in terms of this professional development that we're going to spend thousands of dollars on? We're getting this speaker out. We want to combine this thing. Is this really the best thing for... Um, 
the direction where we want to go. And it was successful. It was, it really brought it out and put it on the table. There wasn't anything hidden. Um, and people said, wow, we didn't realize what that information was. And really pretty plain to see that we don't need that, but we do need this. Mm. Um, and so, you know, within, with any case, you, you bring your evidence, you bring, uh, what you know to be true. Um, and so it, it, I think a consensus in building that, uh, in this case, it was a committee kind of a decision, but I didn't think the committee had the right information. They didn't have that at their fingertips. This was a time when data really wasn't as easy to access as it is today. Uh, today, I mean, we can have that information at our fingers. So it was really kind of a feeling and the principal was kind of feeling that way. Um, and we don't have to do that anymore. We have the raw data. We have that information. We have that at our fingertips and, and being a good principal is analyzing that information to best make the decisions that are going to move the school in the right direction. And so helping them make that decision, uh, I think is a key role for the assistant, um, to make sure that you're there to provide that information, um, moving forward. Yeah, so you, so you see your role as an assistant to uh, to help your principal make the best decisions that she can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's really powerful. Also. Yeah. Um, so having worked under these four different principals, you've had a lot of um, experience in leadership styles. Um, and if you could tell someone who just became a middle school principal what you think the best thing for them to do to to become a great principal, transformative principal, what would you what advice would you give that principal? Um, uh, my advice would be to step back. You know, you're overwhelmed. I would imagine with um, with taking on that responsibility, uh, you're you're thrilled to have it, um, but it's a great time to step back and, and you have to, you have to assess, um, your staffing. You have to know where your quality people are. You mm -hmm. have to know who those people are. You walk into a building cold and you, you've never been in there before. You, your teachers are your most valuable resource. They are the ones who are going to get it done in the classroom. And if you don't right. know them, because obviously you haven't handpicked them, right. you're kind of at a disadvantage right out of the gate. So to, to become familiar with them and their strengths and weaknesses so that you can best um, move them forward, uh, I, I would tell a new principal to um, hold off on any global changes, mm -hmm. any wide-scale programmatic changes, unless there's really uh, a huge problem staring you in the face that you, you don't have a choice. You've got to make a move or right. you've got to make some adjustments to a program or or. Uh, those kinds of things, but, but to take that time, they take a, even a year to get to know your group and get to know, uh, where the, where their expertise lies. Um, I would imagine at the elementary, you know, you may have some people that are unhappy at a particular grade level. They, mm -hmm. maybe they're better suited at a different grade level. Uh, same thing at, at uh, middle and high school where they may not be too happy with the particular subjects that they're doing. Maybe they want to have more variety. Maybe they want to branch out into an elective. Um, and that comes from getting to know your teachers, getting to know their endorsements, getting to know what they want to do, what their likes and dislikes are in terms of, are they happy doing their, doing their work? And of course, don't ignore your support staff too, because you know, you, you will die on the vine as well without quality support staff. Um, and get to know them and make sure that they're happy in doing what they're doing, um, would be the first step. And then of course, once you've assessed, 
um, your staffing and made sure people are in the right places. Look to make those moves the following year. You're going to be hiring new staff. Quite honestly, there is no uh, more of an important uh, thing than to hiring. Uh, that's probably one of the most important things. I've had several people tell me that over the years, and I agree with it 100%. If you are do your due diligence before they walk in the door, you are going to save yourself thousands of hours yeah. of time. Uh, and that's not just teaching staff. That's support staff, too. And I've been through some stuff where it has been really, really hard to get rid of uh, people. And, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes that's what you have to do. And uh, they're, they're the person and they're not in the right position. They're not doing what they should be doing. They're not meeting expectations. And um, they're quite honestly ineffective either in the classroom or as a support person. And uh, that is a, it's a tough thing to do to have those conversations or hard conversations. But again, if it comes right back to, is it best for students? Is it best mm -hmm. for kids? Uh, and you can answer that question every time your answers will be there. You, yeah. You'll know. Um, I, I agree that hiring is, is incredibly important and we, we need to add another section for fourth grade, another teacher for fourth grade this year. And, uh, we could not find anyone. We interviewed 47, 48 people over the summer. And still when school started, we had not found someone that we felt was the right fit or mm -hmm. would be a, a good match for our team and our students. And so we had to put a long-term sub in there. Mm -hmm. That long-term sub left after a couple of weeks. Another long-term sub came in, um, and she finished out until um, Christmas. But we found a teacher for that position um, who had experience with our school-wide behavior plan, mm -hmm. uh, which is CHAMPS by Randy Sprick that, that we have implemented and that we've trained our teachers on. She walked into a classroom and said, oh, you guys use CHAMPS too? I do too. It's great. And knowing that we didn't have to train her on that expectation mm -hmm. was so huge in making the decision to hire her. Mm -hmm. Her references were amazing. And since she's been there since uh, Christmas break, she's been phenomenal. And, you know, we've teased her about uh, you either are incredibly confident and know exactly what you're doing or you're too scared to ask us which one is it. And she said, I'm pretty sure it's the former that I'm. I'm confident and I know what I'm doing. And she really is doing an amazing job. The classroom is completely different. And we really wish we could have hired her back in August. She wasn't available. She came from out of state. And mm -hmm. it's been, it's made a huge difference on the whole entire difference on the whole entire class and how they are doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's added to her team and they all like her. And it's been, it's been a really amazing thing. And if you don't have the right people there or they're not in the right place, it can be horribly frustrating and very, yes. very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a believer in, and, and Jim Collins, good to great, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the right people doing the right work right. in the right places. And I applaud you for waiting and interviewing that many people because it's very tempting to fill oh, the yeah. spot. Um, but even for her to come in after, you know, several months, um, because it's an interesting thing. Whoever stands in front of them on the first day is their teacher, no matter right. who is there on day two through mm -hmm. 180. Yeah. That's their teacher. And for them to accept her as their teacher is a is a huge thing on her part to yeah. to make that happen, integrate herself into her your school. Yeah, so. it was it was definitely amazing to to have that patience wait for it to happen. And I'm really glad I had the opportunity to learn that right now because I'd hate to learn it the wrong yeah. way. I've been 
an advocate for waiting for the right person for as long as I can remember. I've always thought that was the right thing to do, but it was really hard this year to just say, well, she's really good. You know, Mm -hmm. we can hire her and she'll probably do fine. But in the back of your mind, you say, no, I know that's not going to work. So, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I, like I said, hiring is, uh, that's why I put myself, uh, I'm not sure I put myself on there, but I was put on the screening, uh, mm-hmm. group that screens teachers. And, um, I think that's ultimately super important because it, it kind of gives me a leg up. I, I can find teachers ahead of other people before they get to the list. And, right. uh, I mean, it's a little unfair advantage, but, um, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the reasons that I do it because right. you're going to find quality people there. And I have. Wow. What a great interview from Doug. He really is amazing. That was just part one of his interview before part two airs next week. Let's make sure that we get him a whole bunch more followers on Twitter his Twitter name is dhallen100, D-H-A-L-L-E-N 100. If you would like to get in touch with me, you certainly can on Twitter. I am at Jethro Jones, or you can send me an email at jethrojones at gmail.com. Please be sure to share this with your friends, like us on Facebook, do all that social sharing stuff so that we can get the word out about how to be a transformative principal. And be sure to check out our sponsor, creatives4edu.com. See you next week on Transformative Principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com be to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.